In the name of the Father, and the Son, and in the Holy Spirit. Amen. Theophany. Theophany. I'm going to say that one more time. Theophany. And I'm going to put it in the chat. Theo, Greek for God, and phene or phenia, Greek to show oneself or appearance. So theophany, God appearance. There are many appearances throughout our readings today, many God appearances. And appropriately, the church calendar celebrates Trinity Sunday today. In our Isaiah passage, Isaiah describes his call story. We don't know much about him. An Israelite, a son of Amaz, living in and around Jerusalem during a turbulent time, seven to 800 years before Christ, the Israelites were at a critical moment and there were political and military challenges, but the root of the problem was both theological and practical rather than political and military. Where would Isaiah's people put their trust? In the God that had brought them out of Egypt in the Exodus or the deities of the nations that surrounded them? And practically, how would they live? According to the commandments given to them through Moses, practicing renewed and forgiving relationships with God, each other, and, and the creation, or in the injustice and broken relationships that surrounded them. So it's not surprising that Isaiah's call in this chapter points to both. Where would Isaiah himself put his trust and how would he live? So I want you to imagine this scene, this theophany. Isaiah is in the Jerusalem temple, but, but he's seeing something much larger and much greater. God, the Lord on the throne. The hymn of God's robe fills the temple. Now think about that. The hymn, just the hymn, fills this enormous building. It would be like if God's toe filled St. John's church. It's enormous. God is so much beyond this one place on this one section of ground. And there is more. Seraphim were flying around the throne. And you're thinking, okay, what are seraphim? Well, the Hebrew word in this passage is only used here. And it implies flames. And we get a hint of this in Psalm 104 and also in Hebrews chapter 1 where it says of God, flames of fire are your servants. And these seraphim, or a seraph, singular, have six wings. Symbolically, they can fly with two of them. With two of them, they cover their faces, which implies that even they, before the throne of God, cannot look upon the full glory of God. And two wings cover their feet. This is a, a nod to the fact that they themselves are also created. They were made by God. The seraphim call out to each other in similar words to what we pray during the Eucharist. 
Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of God's glory. Now we know when things are repeated in Hebrew, that means an underline or an underscore. But to say it three times, holy, 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 that means that the holiness of God is absolute. There is nothing above it or beyond it. And as these seraphs cry back to each, each other, the temple shakes and, the, and smoke fills the place and the seraphs sing God's praise. I'm always surprised, actually, that Hollywood hasn't attempted to give us this scene in a movie. I mean, can you imagine what would happen if Lucasfilm and Industrial Light and Magic got a hold of the scene with all of the special effects? But even then, they could only capture a fraction of the reality that Isaiah was witnessing. Now, Isaiah's response is telling, and it actually fits with so many other theophanies throughout scripture. Usually when a human being encounters God or one of God's messengers, they wind up flat on the ground on their face. And this is basically what happens. Isaiah is distressed. He knows that he is seeing God. He knows that he has nothing to offer God and his holiness is not, there's no comparison to the holiness of God. He also knows that humans are not supposed to be able to see God and live. He immediately acknowledges his own sin and the sin of his people in the presence of God. But it's interesting here that it is God who takes care of that. It is God who does the healing. Not Isaiah trying to fix his life with three easy steps or in five minutes a day. God has the seraph take the flaming coal from the altar and touch Isaiah's lips, burning away his guilt and sin. God takes care of it. Now, remember, as I said, that the challenge for the Israelites at the time was theological and practical. So here, theologically, God is given a clear vision that um, God is the ruler of all things. Isaiah is given this vision. He's given a theophany to dispel any question that the deities surrounding the nations were comparable to God. And his guilt, Isaiah's guilt, is removed by God's action. And this foretells God's own work of grace in Jesus Christ. Isaiah listens in on God's question then after this, and God asks, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Isaiah's had this experience, this theophany of God, and now his people need to have this experience. So Isaiah uses his lips, those lips that have been touched by the coal, to speak. He says, here am I, send me. The Hebrew word here is heneni, and it's a very important word. It means, here am I, and it implies a willingness to do whatever needs to be done. It is not just a statement of presence or look at me, but a commitment. I am ready to serve. God shows himself to Isaiah in glory to reveal that he is the only God, 
God removes Isaiah's sin and then inspires a willingness for Isaiah to be sent wherever God wants him to go, no matter what. In turn, Isaiah speaks to the Israelites about God's character, about his holiness, about how much he loves them, about his steadfastness, and also about God's call to act with justice and mercy toward all. So that's that's nice for Isaiah. So he's gotten this amazing theophany of God, but what does that mean for us? So as disciples of Jesus, we also have been given a theophany, but it's different. It, it's not full of glory and lights and smoke. It actually is a humble scene, a very humble scene of a young woman who is visited by the messenger of the father, announcing the birth of a son by the power of the Holy Spirit, a truly Trinitarian theophany. And Mary responds, here am I, a handmaid of the Lord, be it done unto me according to your word. So the Old Testament is written in Hebrew and the New Testament is written in Greek. The Hebrew word heneni is the Greek word edu. Mary responds in the same way that Isaiah responds, a willingness to do what needs to be done for the life of the world. Jesus is our theophany, our God appearance. And in John chapter 1, verse 18, he writes, No one has ever seen God. God's only Son, the one who is closest to the Father's heart, has made him known. So when we see Jesus, we are having a theophany of God. So what might be our next step? And how might we be able to be uh, willing to say, Heneni, here am I, send me. In the 19th and 20th century, there is an evangelist named Rodney Smith, and he preached to hundreds of thousands of people at revival meetings about the love of God, about the gospel, about Jesus in the U.S. and Britain. And he was an early member of the Salvation Army. He encouraged his followers to pray for revival. Now, when I say revival, what do I mean? Revival is just another way of talking about renewal. Like we say in our church mission vision statement, a renewed church. We want to see our church following Jesus and flourishing, and we want to be an active part in people's lives, in our neighborhood, in Dubuque and beyond. And we want to point people that we come in contact with to God. We want them to experience God's love in tangible ways. So Rodney Smith encouraged anyone who wanted to see renewal in their lives and the lives of their community to take some chalk, chalk, and to draw a circle around where they stood. So just a circle around their feet, right where they were standing. And he encouraged them to pray that renewal would come within the boundaries of that circle. The first place renewal starts is with us, each of us individually, like Isaiah, just like Mary, they responded to God's call themselves individually. We've been reading Your Church Can Thrive as a Congregation and discussing it in forums and at vestry and, and next Saturday at the parish retreat. And the author makes uh, the same point. 
For the church to thrive, we each have to have a desire for God's renewal for ourselves. We need to start with ourselves first. So I'm encouraging you to draw a circle around yourself this week, figuratively or literally. And many of you know, I have plenty of chalk. I have like 150 pieces of chalk. I can give you a piece if you want it. And ask God for that deeper experience of his presence. Ask God for theophany in your life. And maybe you're not ready to say with Isaiah, here am I, send me. That's okay. It could just simply be, God, I want to know you better. And then take that circle figuratively and expand it from yourself to go around St. John's. How might we ask God for renewal here as a parish? How might we get to know God better as a community? How might we say as a congregation, here we are, send us. And then we can expand that circle to include Dubuque. How might God use St. John's to renew our city and beyond our city? When we say, here am I, send me, we're living out God's presence to those we meet. In some ways, kind of like a mini theophany a mini way of sharing God's presence with everyone we come in contact with. So yesterday we had our first, actually Friday started our first outreach weekend. So Friday night there were door hangers passed around to the neighborhood. And then yesterday there was chalk drawing in front of the main church. And uh, right now the grab and go is going on down at the, um, the parish house for the grab and go meal. Yesterday, we had about 15 people stop by and talk as uh, the chalk art was going on. And one of them even said they'd come back for the 4 p.m. service. More cars drove by than that and honked and waved or took photos and we waved back. And I am convinced that even a smile and some bubbles and some art can change a person's days in enormous ways, ways that we will never know. I mean, just that little bit of uplift could have changed the entire feeling of their day. And I'm also convinced that when we take a risk, even a small risk, to share God's love with someone, that person's life can be renewed by God in amazing ways. So I'm going to close with this story just to to exemplify it. Edward Kimball taught Sunday school in Boston in the uh, mid-1800s. And he had a very difficult student show up one Sunday, very difficult, very angry, very, very um, belligerent. And he decided that he would visit the teen where the teen worked in a shoe shop in Boston. He often would go out to visit his students in their places of work during the week. But he was uncertain and he was nervous. I mean, was this, should he do this? Was this a good thing? But he decided after walking back and forth of the shoe shop and praying to go ahead and go in. And he found the boy in the back storeroom stocking shoes. And he shared God's love with this teen. This teen's name was Dwight, Dwight Moody. Dwight Moody decided in that moment, he was prepared, he was ready, he knew he needed something different in his life to follow Jesus Christ. Dwight Moody, D.L. Moody, 
started a school, a publishing house, and preached the gospel around the globe. And it didn't stop there. Others heard Moody preach and heard the gospel and heard about the love of Jesus Christ. And they said their own, here I am, send me. And as a result, and over the years, a baseball player, Billy Sunday, heard the gospel and followed Jesus with his own Hineni. And through his ministry, another teen boy came to know Jesus for the first time and decided to follow. And that person was Billy Graham. Billy Graham. Edward Kimball didn't know that by visiting this boy in a shoe shop in Boston would lead to this. He was a Sunday school teacher. He didn't know that the message of God's love would circle the globe as a result more than just once. It was just a simple Heneni. Here I am. Send me. And God sent him. Isaiah's people needed to hear about God, and Isaiah was willing to be sent. And the world needed to experience God in the flesh, and Mary was willing to be sent. And there are people in our lives who long to hear about God's love for them, about forgiveness and abundant life. And may we be willing to respond, Lord, here I am. Send me. Amen.